for Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports Time is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome in to Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Johnny Hill producing as always, and we're with you for the next three hours. A lot to get to over these three hours. Some fun guests we'll be speaking to, but Brett, how are you this afternoon? Brian, I'm doing well. Great to be with you and Johnny, and great to see that sun shining today. Oh, yeah. The day of the year outside. I think you could break a sweat and not even try to today. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. And I, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's weird because I feel like the, the temperature changes so much from when I get to this building to when <laughs> I get to a break at, at about one o'clock. And so I walked out today and I was like, wow, it is a beautiful day outside today. It was about 65 degrees and, um, was really, really nice. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, this feels like, spring that we're all we're all waiting for yeah in our building no two rooms have the same temperature yeah, in it. Yeah, so, yeah. so it can even change uh-huh. in, in, inside quite often right. and i hope it stays like this saturday if it does i'm going to be the the yard warrior on saturday yeah no i'm sure uh, you're not the only one that is hoping um we get this type of weather uh for a prolonged period of time here to you know get out it's so hard during the week to do any yard work but you know weekends try to take advantage of that but man i, I wouldn't mind this weather sticking around for the next couple months it'd be great stay like this to july one be fine with me yeah, but be, it, 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 it 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 won't do that yeah. you know i was telling you before we started today brian i'm ready for more pizzazz mm. in college basketball and i know this year with the calendar everything's a week later sure. i mean Man, uh, 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 those zany Romans that set up our calendar, <laughs> but and it, it it's even making on next week. We would be into some like NEC Horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be into some yeah. March Madness even at the end of February. We're not. We're not getting any March Madness till we get well in, yeah. in, in into March because you know the AAC tournament, the SEC mm-hmm. tournament. Everything's a, about a week later this year. We talked last week about Selection Sunday is going to be on Sunday. March seventeenth, a great day. Yeah, a great uh, day. A great day, and and that day the brackets revealed, mm-hmm. and you know, and and that's that's much later, and then then we host in Memphis that following weekend, and we'll see how it shakes out. A lot of bracketology out there, but this is also the time of year that all that really starts to codify. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you're you're hardly going to have that team have that meteoric rise. Right. And really, you're about out of time to have that dramatic fall. We know the Tigers have have fallen, but if you're kind of in the bracket right now, certainly as, let's say, up to an 8 or 9 mm-hmm. seeds, some of the 10s and 11s will still have to do some work or maybe not have a lot of damage uh, uh, suffered. But if you're, you're out there now as a 9, because you know, most people only have 5 or 6 games left. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we're kind of running out of time, and you, and you made a good point. I mean, if you're kind of top seven, top eight, maybe even top nine, I mean, right now you feel pretty good with what you did before. That's right. I mean, if you can just kind of go about the rest of these five or six games remaining, you're feeling pretty good. And so, uh, yeah, we're getting to that point of the season, but it's also hard for a lot of those teams that are on the bubble right outside. You know, you're running out of time to to make up that ground to get into the tournament, um, and then before we know it, we'll have some. Uh, some conference tournaments starting up. A, a, a team that's got work to do, I think, is Texas A&M. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, we had 
David Cobb on yesterday, and, and mm-hmm. we're talking to him, and, and uh, I think Jerry Palm has, uh, in his latest bracket, has them as an 11 after uh, having them on the 10 line before the weekend started. They suffered the loss over the weekend. Um, and so, yeah, no, they've got some work to do, and I think David said that he feels confident about what they can do in the SEC, maybe get a couple wins here, there to end the year, make a little bit of a run in that conference tournament. He feels like they'll be inside the bracket, but they are certainly a team that, you know, before the season started, Brett, a lot of people were saying that's a team that could win the SEC, and now uh, really just trying to great guard hang play. on. Yeah, great guard play, but a team that now is just trying to hang on and, and stay on the right side of the bracket. Tonight, two SEC games in mm-hmm. both both favorites are 11.5-point favorites. Ooh. Tennessee, a road favorite at Columbia against Mizzou that's just r- really one of the yeah. – you know, disaster stories of the year in, in college basketball. In Texas A&M, minus 11.5 at home at, on campus at College Station tonight against the Razorbacks. Arkansas, really a really lucky win over them yeah. at Bud Walton Arena, but in the year they hadn't had a lot of luck. I uh, don't want to be pound them too much on that, but 11.5 point dog tonight for A&M. In, in, in Brian, the, the college basketball fascination mm-hmm. with wanting to award a team kind of as flop of the year. It's it's not Memphis. No, 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 no. There's certainly the, worse teams out there. There, there are. And, but the, the expectation game from rising to number 10 a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe from that point on. Sure. But the, the, the body work you know, by Arkansas. Now, one saving grace for Arkansas is they can say, well, we went to Sweet 16 last year in the lead eighth two years before that. That 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 will eat up all that equity oh, yeah. at, at, w- w- with this performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Musselman will be uh, on full blast starting next year. Yeah. Mizzou, well, we, you know, won a game in the tournament last year with a first year coach. Yeah. Great, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dead last now in the SEC yep. and zero in twelve. Yeah, equity has been used up. It's gone. Yeah, yeah and it's hard to to. Point back to the past, and uh, especially when you're kind of in the boats that, that those two teams are. I mean, like you said, Missouri has has yet to win a game in conference play. Arkansas, uh, you know, has been talked about a lot, both locally and nationally, about just how bad of a season it's been for them. Um, and so it's hard, I mean, this late into the season, to keep pointing back to what they did last year. I mean, you need to do something now and do something in the future. And like you said, especially Arkansas, um, you know, I think – we all know what this year is going to be. Next year, if it doesn't turn around, there's going to be a, a lot of unhappy Razorback fans. Very noisy and arguably, well, should they? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at Michigan, Michigan's another one. Michigan's that, another one. That, that this year is is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Now they went to a Sweet 16 just two years ago and an Elite Eight three years ago under Juwan Howard. Yeah. I, I don't think he should be fired, mm-hmm. but they may. They might, and I think – for Juwan Howard, it's it's more the off the court situations and and things that happen, you know, at practice and and you know behind the scenes that a lot are, of stuff or more. It's a lot of stuff, and I think that's what's making that story way more and I would say worse than Memphis right now because you have your strength coach having to to step away from the program because he's getting in altercations with the head coach and and uh, a lot of people saying that the blame is on the head coach. You have him going up against other coaches in conference and getting you know nose to nose with them in handshake lines. I mean, it's a it's a lot of stuff that is very avoidable, and uh, I, I would say that Michigan situation is worse right now than what Memphis is. Brian, I was away at that time, but I texted you off there. There were a lot of 
kind of the pre-December 27th, 28th bowl games, mm-hmm. it was a lot of something-something out there in a lot of those games. It, it, it was close to getting to tip, tipping point, really uh, real melee at a couple of them. And you, you had the situation where the player came out of the locker room and Cole cocked a guy mm-hmm. singing the fight song yeah. uh, you know, post-game. And I, I texted you in that time that we were going to have the full helmet-swinging yeah. Bad look, mm-hmm. really ugly ball. We didn't. I missed. Mm-hmm. I missed. I'm, I'm going to reprise it for handshake lines from here forward because we've got a lot of guys. They don't care if they're not back at school, uh-huh. at that school next year. Uh-huh. So if I if I take a swing, and we, we saw it last night, who knew the, the Southland Conference could inspire such enmity in front of what? Brett was watching 80? the game. I, mean, I was sitting there watching you gotta it be live. Kidding me. No, I was watching it. We bet on Incarnate Word last night. Lost, but then we got to see that melee. You sure did in front of about 60 fans, and yeah. one of them got hurt. Yeah. What bad luck is that? It's awful luck. I mean, you're less than 100 people in there, and you're the one that gets cold cocked. I mean, <laughs> uh, how does that happen? How in the world do you go to a co- uh, go to that game and in, in, in with stitches? I mean, that that's rough. No, but yeah, I was watching. So, so here's exactly what happened. I was watching it last night on my computer, and uh, game ends. I was going to flip it over to another game or something. I go and click a different game, and while it's like going to the next screen, I see players running over, and so I immediately have to go back to it. Melee. And I, I watched the whole thing unfold. It was crazy, and I did not know if it was ever going to end. But yeah, I mean, you're right. We might have already seen the big melee, and I wouldn't put it past seeing another one before the season's over with. And, and uh, unbelievably, you know, what we're hearing is get rid of the handshake line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Okay, yeah. But if you're mad enough, you're not, you're not going to need a handshake yeah, line to go over the uh-uh, punch. Uh-uh. No, if you're if you're mad enough, then you're you're going to do it regardless. And I mean, like you said, with football, you don't really have a, a traditional handshake line. And we saw at the bowl game one of the guys come out of the locker room and and you know while they were singing the fight song. So for some with people, it's bad stop guy, them. didn't he? Yeah, I mean, for some people, it's not going to stop them no matter what you do. Uh, but I I could do without the handshake lines. I think it's just. Seems like college basketball is the only sport we have them in, and uh, you know I could do without them. You're you're right. You know, at the end of college football games, it's just kind of everybody in a million directions. Yeah, it's just kind of go if you know people. Some dude, you kind of looking for a buddy you may have played high school with, or now you know you played at a different school. Exactly. You know, you probably played with them at a different stop. That's what I would kind of rather see in college basketball. Of just, eh, you know, if you know somebody on their team, go say what's up to them. If not, you know. Go to your locker room, say what's up to the guy you were guarding. Hey, you know, good fight out there, and then you know, go back. Kind of what we see in the NBA, where you know, guys just kind of go and and chit chat and say hey to guys they've known in the past. It's, I think that'd be better. Yeah, oh, a lot. I agree. I, I agree with that. They even do that in uh, college football. They just yeah, exactly. go and talk to each other, but they they don't line up or anything. Yeah. No, no. They need no, to, they need to update that. Mm-hmm. I, think I don't so. even know if we 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 get lined up for high school anymore. Do we? At, at a conclusion. I don't know. I know. I don't know. I know we did when I was there, but I don't know. They might have changed it since okay. then. Obviously, COVID has happened between then. I know they didn't do it. Oh yeah, COVID, yeah. But yeah. And supply chain. Yeah, I don't know if that has continued. COVID supply chain. If you yeah. don't have anything else to blame it on, blame That's it on. Right, blame it on those. Or transfer portal. Yeah, or, or the transfer portal. Or nil. Something you can find something to blame it on, Brett. Everything. I, I know there's been a, a lot of conversation about the Tigers after the game on Sunday. I wasn't here yesterday, so I didn't comment. I don't know anything I, that I can add to it. I'll just, I'll just. Say Say this and kind of reprise my comments from Friday afternoon. He's not going to be fired. He nope. shouldn't be fired. 
He's going to be back for a seventh year, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of blame to go around. Sure. Uh, blame blame on him. Blame on the team. Now the team is the team that he handpicked and he yep. put together. Absolutely. This this was not like he was in a first year and he inherited a lot of these mm-hmm. guys. I, I know Rick Pitino's in a lot a lot of stuff because he's calling names. Yeah. I'm not so sure that now we can't call names, Brian. Yeah. This, you know, this, this is not your, I, I know some of them are, and I know everybody's somebody's baby. I know everybody's <laughs> somebody's child. Sure. I know that. I understand that. But we're not talking about a guy that's just playing, you know, that's just getting tuition, room, books, and, and, and three square meals a day mm-hmm. anymore and really good travel and really sure. good medical and really good attention, but a lot of work that goes with it like those guys from yesteryear did. At a lot of places, I don't know what the team NIL is at St. John's, but they're getting something mm-hmm. more than just room books and all that, all the stuff that we got in yesteryear. Right. Rick Pitino did it in one of the more monotone, low-key tones you can do it in. It was not bombastic. Nope. I don't think he was ripping a soul. Mm-mm. He was doing it very much. Like I think now the expectation should be. Yeah. And if I, and if I can't get that across to you in practice, forever coaches have motivated through the media. Forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he, he named names. Coach Hardaway didn't name, name names after, after Sunday. And everybody knows the names. Yes. Yes. Everybody, everybody knows who the, the, the guilty parties are with the Tigers on lack of effort and seemingly lack of concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it starts with the most important position, arguably, in college basketball, and that's at point guard. Yep. It starts with Javon Quinterly mm-hmm. that I said early in the year, not only is he not skill-wise, ability-wise, anything approaching Kendrick Davis, it didn't appear to me that he had that leadership quantity to him. I said that early in the year. I think the Monday or Tuesday after the Ole Miss loss mm-hmm. when uh, uh, Juju Murray just worked him yeah. down at Oxford that mm-hmm. day. I said it then. Far, far Penny Hardaway ending his sixth year, and now he's gone on this, that, that he's been targeted, and he's being mm-hmm. unduly criticized. I, 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 I don't accept that. He is in his sixth year. Yep. Here are the coaches in their sixth year okay. that made it to six years yep. in my lifetime. Ooh, Penny Hardaway, yeah. at, at the end of this sixth year, it doesn't look like it's going to. Uh, be very much. Still could be, but to this point, it doesn't. If if it does, we we, we will we will moderate and we'll we'll change our yeah. opinion then, and maybe break a microphone. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> that, that happens. <laughs> Coach Josh Pashner, at the end of his sixth year, he went eighteen and fourteen. Had one more year. It was nothing the next year, right. and thankfully was offloaded to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. At the end of John Calipari's sixth year, he went to the Elite Eight and lost to UCLA in Oakland. Hmm. At the end of Larry Finch's uh, sixth year, he went to the Elite Eight and lost to Nick Van Exel, and he had a superstar named mm-hmm. Penny Hardaway on his team. At the end of Dana Kirk's sixth year, he went to a Final Four mm-hmm. and got beat by Villanova in the national semis. So that's guys that have made it to six years wow. in, in my life. Unarguably, three very successful and, 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 and two not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just is what it is, and you see that success of, you know, if you if you if if you're staying around that long, usually it means you're producing in the tournament and you're producing and getting far into the tournament. But you know, Penny Hardaway has not been able to do that. And I saw somebody tweet, you know, last night after those comments, he's made those comments about being targeted and 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 feeling like he was, you know, unfairly criticized uh, last night during his his radio show. And I saw somebody say, well, you know. 
the difference is, is you're not, you know, 10 and one and you're coming off one loss and everyone's criticizing you. You're now what three and six in your last nine games. Season's almost play. over. Season's almost over. And you're, you cannot find a single bracket that really has them anywhere close to being in right now. I, I saw, I think, um, Jerry Palm when he has like a list of Brett, what did we go? We went through a couple weeks ago and counted all the names that he has as bubble teams. It's like 16 or 17 teams as bubble teams. Tiger's not even in that conversation. Hmm. I mean, they're completely out. Strategic air command can't find the Tigers at Jerry Palm. You can't find them anywhere. So this isn't just you lost one game and everyone's being unfair to you. This is you have your team has played very poor over these last nine games and people, you know, you had the expectations. You were the number 10 team in the country. You had the expectations of making the tournament, winning games in the tournament. And now it's looking like you're going to be an NIT team if that. And our friend Shelby Mash yesterday, I know y'all visited with mm-hmm. him. He was one of the last holdouts, yeah. and he, he, you know, he, even it, he's broken and doesn't yeah. have him in a lot of contention today. Joe Lenardi, uh, the same. So yeah. that's where they are tomorrow night against Charlotte at FedEx Forum. And once again, a, a must win. Got to be. How many of those have we had? Brett, it feels like most of conference play has been a a must win, and that is not what it was supposed to be um, early in the season when we, uh, you know, we're talking 10th ranked team in the country and coming off those three games where they beat top 25 opponents in three straight games. Did I get any credit yesterday for calling the 200 and all star game? Brett, you absolutely did. We gave you a ton of credit. We also had a, uh, my big number was centered around 200, and we gave you credit again for that. So, I mean, you were. A lot of credit yesterday. Hey, Brett, I said yesterday, man, you started out this 2024 sure for your great. He called the Super Bowl and he called uh, the All Star game. Man. In the Super Bowl, hey, good job, Brett. Brett we got Brett's on fire. Or go get a lottery <laughs> ticket or something. I mean, yeah. Oh, I bought Mega Millions today. When it gets over to. 400 million, I buy. <laughs> I feel good about it. I don't buy anything under 400 million because I'm afraid it'd change me as a person. <laughs> well, at least you have morals. That's all that matters. Well, <laughs> let me set up today's show before we get to top and not top story of the day. 3.30. Dave Wilotion, the voice of the Tigers, will join us. Talk about this Tiger basketball team. What happened? Happened in Texas and tomorrow night's game against Charlotte uh, for uh, 3:45. We're going to stick with the Tigers conversation. We're going to take a look at the American Athletic Conference. Talk about we brought it up last week. I think last Friday we brought it up as as of today where the Tigers would be in the conference tournament. We'll take a look at as of today, uh, February 20th, where the Tigers would be in the conference tournament. What that road would look like to try uh, to win the American Athletic Conference. Four o'clock. Brent Beard will join us from First Coast News in Jackson. Talk some college football. 4.30, we'll talk some college basketball. A couple good games last night, some good games tonight, uh, and then really we're getting down the stretch before these conference tournaments and really kind of solidifying who those teams are going to be for the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk a lot about that at 4.30. 4.45, big number of the day. 5 o'clock, Beau Marchant will join us to talk the NFL. 5.30, we'll get to what's trending. And at 5.45, we'll wrap up today's show like we always do with Taco Bell Crunch Time. Let me remind you, we're in our Family Leisure Studios where family and fun come together. The floor model sale, it's going on right now. All floor model patio sets are priced to move. Wicker sofa set, under $2,000. Close out patio cushions, as low as $25. Pool tables, under $50. 1500 theater seating under 2000 and four person hot tubs now under $5000 infrared and traditional steam saunas 25% off get ready for summer and purchase your above ground pool now to get first in line for installation special financing it's also available but only at family leisure 2120 Witten Road just north of I40
Johnny Hills, our producer, Brian Brett, with you until 6 o'clock, and you can join us at 901-360-8255. And this is something I want at the text line, at 901-360-8255. What comes next year for the Memphis Tigers? Mm -hmm. What do you feel happens next year? A tournament run, a, a tournament bid even, a tournament bid are that slow creep to 18-14, 19-15, something like that. A year from right now, what do you expect for the Memphis Tigers? This hour of our show brought to you by Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway and online at LexusofMemphis.com. Great offers on all 2024 models and always special leasing options. You can call them at 901-334-9673, the one and only Lexus dealership in town. Drive in luxury and confidence, knowing that every new Lexus comes with complimentary first and second maintenance services. Stop by today at Lexus of Memphis at 2600 Ridgeway and put yourself in the driver's seat of the all-new 2024 flagship LS500, and you'll be looking, you'll be driving in style. When you purchase a Lexus, you get top-of-the-line engineering and design, and they make for the luxury driving experience. Online at LexusofMemphis.com. Experience amazing. Experience amazing at Lexus of Memphis. Top story of the day. Well, my top story of the day is the Tiger basketball team. They're back in action tomorrow night against Charlotte. And we talked yesterday with David Cobb, and, and I brought up this point to him that, you know, you look around and you see a lot of the teams that are finding success. It's teams that have a, a really good mix of, of talent. You, they have older guys that have been around the program for a while. They've got freshmen. They've got transfers that they brought in. It's really a mix of all three. But for the Tigers, it has really been, you know, they're leaning heavy on the transfer portal, bringing in a bunch of guys and trying uh, to have them dominate and play a majority of the minutes. I saw this earlier today. Isaac Trotter from uh, 247 Sports, he wrote about uh, kind of what he is seeing around college basketball. He says, uh, the eight high major teams that brought in seven or more transfers are not going dancing this year. And he has this whole story kind of talking about bringing in transfers, his thoughts about not mixing in kind of the the um, different of having guys around for a while, bringing in freshmen, and then also bringing in transfers. But it is interesting. You look at these lists of teams, and, and a lot of these teams, kind of high expectations going into the season at those programs. Arkansas brought in a ton of transfers. They're 12 and 13 right now. NC State, 16 and 9. Arizona State, 13 and 13. UCF, 13 and 11. Uh, West Virginia, who a lot of people said had the number one transfer portal uh, in the country before the season started. Now, we obviously know what happened with their head coach. A lot of things happen. They're sitting at 8 and 17 right now. Penn State, 12 and 14. St. John's, we heard what Rick Pitino said over the weekend. He brought in a ton of guys from the transfer portal. They're 14 and 12. And the Memphis Tigers, 18 and 8. It looks like all of those teams, which I would say at least four or five of those teams at some point this year have been in NCAA tournament or preseason in NCAA tournament conversation. Looks like none of those teams right now are in the bracket and would have to do a ton of work to get in. My top story is college basketball as well. While most of the college basketball punditry, they're very enamored in pushing the it's wide open season or the parity line. A lot of that is for promotion and to drive interest with 26 days until selection Sunday. This is more, will this season be more of a coronation or a tournament? Will it be a coronation for UConn? Because no one's really close to UConn right now. They got a tough roadie tonight against Creighton. I understand that. But it goes through the defending champs. Until they're knocked out, 
you can stop all the parity and anybody anybody can win it out there. Mm-hmm. No back-to-back winner since Billy Donovan's Gators did it in 06-07. And this year, a very, very cozy regional to punch a ticket to the Final Four for UConn, yeah. potentially in Boston. That would feel like Storrs, Hartford, Northeast for them to just sure go to would. Boston and play. And I wonder, you know how the NCAA ruins every building hmm. and set, sets it up so antiseptic that you don't even know what you're looking at. Right. You could be looking at Santa Fe or San Francisco mm-hmm. or Albuquerque or Ames, how they set up the arena. <laughs> on those games at Boston, will those games be played on the Fame Parquet? That's a good question. It's a really good question. I don't know. I would hope what, so. What, wouldn't that be special for oh, a, a so college special. player to get to go play on that? Absolutely. But they got to run it and bring in these they antiseptic do. floors. They do. I. It'd be fun, though. It really would be. Not top story of the day. Well, my not top story of the day. We learned this morning that the college football playoff has approved the move to a 5-7 and seven format for the 12-team field starting next season. We assumed they would do something like this with uh, the Pac-12 being no more. The 6-6 six and six didn't make a ton of sense. We saw some people out there saying that, well, this is how they're going to do it. This is how it's going to work with 6-6. Six and six. But The college football playoffs said, you know what, scrap that. We're just going to go ahead and do 5-7 and seven for next season. So the five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the college football playoff selection committee. And it is interesting, and you know, not much would have changed, but it is interesting uh, for Notre Dame. Still without a conference, we don't know if they're going to make it a Could move. Could go undefeated and be five at best. And, and yeah, would have to be you know on that outside because they're not a conference champion. So the college football playoff is, is saying, look, you know, you need to join a conference if you want to have one of these top seeds and, and get one of those buys. So definitely interesting, but I think we knew that they were going to go to some sort of format like this. That's mine as well. That's my not top story, the 5 plus 7 model for college football playoff. It's approved for 24 and 25. Damn. Nothing settled after that. Mm. And, and that and TV is what they're really gnashing away about right now. The Big Ten and the SEC will have their way eventually. They are tired of waiting on the two-pack for the remaining teams from the Pac-12, and they're tired of waiting on the rest of the littles from college football. This two-year playoff will not look like this in 2026 and going forward. Uh, TV doesn't want first-round matchups involving the Sun Belt and the CUSA and the Mountain West and largely the AAC, They don't, and the TV doesn't want to bid on that. Yeah. And they don't want those kind of games. They want big names against big names. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're going to see, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I really am excited about the 12-team playoff. Going to make for some really, really fun matchups. But that'll do it for top and not top story of the day. Let's go ahead and get to a break, and when we come back, we're talking Tiger basketball with Dave Ocean. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Let's welcome longtime voice of the Tigers and host of Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings at 10 right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Dave Wolotion to talk Tigers football and basketball with Bryant and Brett. Dave Lotion, the voice of the Tigers, joins us now to talk some Tiger basketball. 
And uh, Dave Wilson with the the trip down to Texas over the weekend. Dave, what happened down in Texas? The Texas two-step did not play out for the Tigers very well. I think you said it when you said it was a Texas trip. They they tripped. <laughs> um, I wish I could tell you. I, I I'll be frank. I you know, obviously I thought a lot about this. I've talked a bunch about it on my show. Mm-hmm. I I don't believe in all my time. I I started watching college basketball in 1963. I was 10 years old, and Loyola, the Ramblers, on the north side of Chicago, were national champions. Uh, And I I fell in love with that team, and I fell in love with college basketball. And Starting in 1971, when I went to Southern Illinois University, I've been watching it and attending games uh, on a frequent basis and and, um, more than a casual observer. In all those years, if we go back, I don't think I can ever remember seeing a team that was 15-2, and two. that was 10th in the country, then in the Fox bracketology got all the way to number two, two seed in that bracketology by a pretty smart guy, Mike DeCourcy. I've never seen a team just absolutely first in, in literally four games in two weeks fall from the scene and then totally fall apart. And Mike DeCourcy made uh, a good observation on my show today he said, I could, I could probably find another team that might have done that if I go back far enough and really research it. But what I wouldn't find would be a team that had the resume that Memphis had. That, in other words, in those 15 wins, they knocked off so many Power 5 teams. And they went on that streak of at A&M, which at the time was a top at least 50 to 60 net team. Clemson, a top 50 Virginia clearly a top 50. Two of those were top 25 teams. And, you know, you blew away Virginia. In that run, you could be that good and then totally, totally destroy yourself. I I, I don't know the answer. I, I, I know we can all trace it back to when Naquan Tomlin joined the team because he joined right after the Virginia team. That was the absolute uh, zenith of this team. But I, I, I'm not going to say it's him. I don't know if it got totally destroyed when they brought back Brown. I know the team, as Penny would tell you, really was was hurt by the loss of of Caleb Mills because he not only was your best perimeter defender, but he was a leader. And he also allowed the Tigers, as Penny said on his radio show last night, or at least in video around the show because they had all the affiliates there, when he made the comment, it took away a lot of the small ball, which he figures I think is the best way in conference to win games. So you take all that into account, maybe that's it. But with the talent they have, I, I just I, I, I can't believe what I'm watching. I cannot. Dave, in your time calling Tiger games and covering the Tigers, do you remember an on-court display of basically just checking out, of, of not caring like happened Sunday with Javon Quinterly? Um, yes, I can. And oddly enough, it was in that very same arena. It was the last year of Tubby Smith. It was the year that uh, Keen, uh, uh, the, the Lawson father mm. um, basically told his kids, I think, to quit. And they quit. 
and yeah. Memphis lost by 41 in that same arena. So, yeah, I, I've seen that, but that was a, a, a total, um, or in my mind, no one's ever said it, anything like this, but um, the, 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 the Lawson father was an assistant on that team. He was disappointed he didn't get a better position from Tubby. I don't think he worked it as hard as he could have. Tubby got tired of him, and then they really didn't have much to do with him. And I think he basically told his sons, don't play hard anymore. And they didn't. Uh, and, and that game went down the tubes. The only other one I can remember, and I, I don't think it was the team quit. I, I think the team got totally uh, destroyed of consonants. That was the young team that, that lost by 40, 80 to 40 in Penny's first year with some talent, but very, very young, uh, to, to a Tulsa team. I think it was the first year. That that was eye-opening, because that, that team just absolutely, they lost total confidence in that game and, and couldn't figure out what to do. Dave, on Sunday, was what is it like for you getting in the arena? Is security heavier knowing that former President Bush was going to be there? Is, is it hard for you to get into the arena, or... Are, could you even tell he was going to be in attendance? Well, we heard he was coming. And he's been to, I'll bet you, of all the games that I've done in there since Larry Brown took over and turned around the program, I'll bet you that uh, Larry Brown's, uh, 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 that uh, George W. Bush has, has been there um, 80% of the games. Wow. He and his wife sit there, and they are the most amenable people. Somebody could come up and just ask him for a picture to be taken with their camera, a selfie. He's obliging. He's the nicest dude in the world. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if they check. Now, look, Brett, I get there two hours before the game, right? right? I get there before the team does. So I did go through a little security, but, you know, it was it, it was it was just basically for show. And Sunday... Uh, it, he, he he got a, a medal Sunday. Got that big doubloon they were giving out to the students. I, I I thought it might be a medal for him finding finally finding weapons of mass destruction. Ooh, um, I actually kind of had that thought myself. <laughs> no, what was they were passing that thing around, and the lady that is there um, uh, on on court, like uh, what is it, a promotions uh, or game ops coordinator. With the jumbotron and 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 you know, to get people riled up, she went over to a student, asked for that doubloon, brought it over so that he could be flashed on the jumbotron. I probably got on TV too, but that's the kind of amenable guy. He goes, "Oh sure, I'll do it," and he held it, he held it, and when they said the camera's going to be on you, he put it on and he put on that big smile and then waved his arms or whatever he did. I, I'm telling you, the guy. Uh, I got a good friend a couple of years ago that went up to him. And you know the, they, the 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 Secret Service didn't know who he was, right? So they start to move over. He goes, "Calm down, calm down," and he took the the picture with my buddy. That's great. Talking to Dave Velocian, he joins us every week to talk Tigers. Last night, uh, Penny Hardaway on his uh, radio show had a lot to say, but one that has been making the rounds uh, last night and today was uh, he said that he believes he's been uh, targeted, been a target, and received unwarranted negativity uh, because of the losses. Do you feel that way? Do you think that that people are, are targeting him after these losses? No, uh, and, and I, I really wonder if Penny would, had been more specific. I, I think 
that the local media has been more than generous to Penny. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, the local media really likes Penny, just like the fans do. Yeah. I think they care about Penny. I think he cares about the city. I think all that's sincere stuff. I think what Penny is referring to is Seth Davis took shots at him. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, I, I believe the the national media never really caught on to Penny mania because they didn't like the way it all came out. Half of these guys loved Tubby Smith, and they thought he ousted Tubby Smith, so they weren't willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And the others just felt like he never paid his dues. He wasn't a longtime mm-hmm. assistant for anybody. He's a name. So so Memphis hired him, and he stuck the knife in Tubby. So I, I think some of that has carried over over these six years, and I, I think what he was referring to, I haven't asked him. I saw the quote. Um, but I, I think that, that he feels that the national media might have targeted him a little bit, and I think there is some fairness to that assessment. Day five games remaining. How do you think these five games play out? We do all these preseason W's and L's. Just give me your W's and L's for the last five. Oh, man. I knew you were going to ask me that, Brett, because <laughs> you love the high art ones. Um, I don't know why I think they're going to end up three and two. I, I I think they'll win the three home games. How about that? Okay. I, I, I'm not sure why. They play better at home. And, you know, on the year, they're 10-2 and two at home. They're 4-2 in league games at home. They figure out ways to win at home. They've beaten decent teams here at home, including Clemson and Virginia. And, you know, they got revenge on Tulane here, though. They'll want to get revenge on UAB. I don't think UAB is great. I think Charlotte's a pretty good team. They haven't played in here since it was the old days of CUSA. Um, so, uh I, I look at their numbers, and I think they're okay. I don't think they're going to blow you away. I think if Memphis decides to compete, I think at home it'll be different. I think they will. So I'm going to go out on the limb and be the homer everybody accuses me of being, and I'll say 3-2 and two, they're going to win the home game. Last thing for you, Dave. Uh, Penny Hardaway, after the game uh, against SMU and also last night on his radio show, he's kind of alluded to switching up the lineup, changing the lineup, saying you know things like you know the guys you're going to see on the court are the guys that actually care and, and want to be out there. Do you think we see a starting lineup change Wednesday night against Charlotte? And if we do, uh, what do you think the change would be? Well, he's done that funny, and I, yeah. I, I, I would think, and, and I mentioned this on my show this morning, I, you can't change Devon Quinter. I mean, because you don't have any alternative to Javon Quindley. You just got to figure out a way to get Javon Quindley to play hard right. every night and, and to get back his confidence that that's what was missing. There are some people that think he's really he's hurt because he came in hurt and he got healthy for a little bit and he hasn't looked the same for the last few games. So I, I don't know what the JQ story is, but you're not you're not changing that because you don't have an alternative. Right. You're obviously not changing out David Jones, right? He's the two, and... He, he's you got a chance to bring him back maybe next year. He's not in very many mock NBA drafts, and he's he's a terrific college player. He's the leading scorer, the leading rebounder, the leading three point shooter, uh, the leader in steals, and and he gives you effort. He wanted to take it at North Texas, their number one offensive player for a while, which may have tired him out. Uh, so you're 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 staying with him. Now we get to Jaquan Walt. He played all of 11 minutes yeah. in that game at SMU, looked lost, stood around, lost confidence. That's where I would be making my change. Would you start Jaden Hardaway? Maybe. Would you start Jonathan Pierre, who out of nowhere 
after he played all of 41 minutes a couple of weeks ago, he started. In the last few games, he's delivered. I don't think he's afraid of the moment anymore. I might go there. Um, I, I would start Jordan. I know he didn't have a, a great game in Dallas. He had a hard matchup with their player, Williamson, who's a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd give him another shot. And, and uh, I, I'd stay with Tomlin for sure, and I would probably sit Malco and let him come off the bench. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I would like those changes. It seems like uh, Walton is probably the one that I think a lot of people would think would be out of the starting lineup if they make it. Well, you think about it, Jaquan Walton, how many really good games has he had this year? If Jaquan Walton were the guy that we saw at Wichita State last year, it might be a different story. Oh, yeah. And I'll give Jaquan this. He he was never going to be the number one option on this team. He he was going to be three or four. Mm -hmm. And so he had to sacrifice some of the way his game has been played, but... If it's attitude or it's just loss of confidence or whatever it is, he has not. He's only had three or four good games for Memphis, and frankly, it has. It's been a while. Yeah, no, it absolutely has. So we'll see if there's any changes tomorrow night. But Dave, as always, thanks so much for joining you, us, Dave. and we'll do it again next week. You got it, and Brett. I will talk with you tomorrow, right around ten twenty-five. Thank you. We'll do it. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Dave Wilotion, the voice of the Tigers, he joins us every single Tuesday to talk Tiger football, Tiger basketball, and tomorrow night you can hear him for the uh, the home game tomorrow night against Charlotte. Well, let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we're going to stick with the Tiger conversation, take a look at the AAC, and take a look at if the tournament started today, where the Tigers would be, what the road would look like for them to try to win that conference tournament. We'll do that next on Sports Time. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Lexus of Memphis. Here are your hosts, Brett Statz-Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome back into Sports Time. We've talked a lot of Tigers, talked to Dave Wilotion in our last segment, but let's take a look at the American and uh, talk about if the tournament ended right now, where would the Tigers be? What would this look like? And I believe right now the Tigers are in a tie for sixth place, but because they lost to North Texas, they uh, would be slated seventh as the seventh seed if the tournament started today. So we look very similar as what we talked about last week. They would start as the seventh seed playing in that second round because um, now it's, I mean, a multi-day. We've added another day of games. They would start in that second round on March 14th. That first game right now, if we played it, would be against Tulsa in that first round. And hadn't played Tulsa since the narrow escape in Tulsa way back when I, I don't see any way the Tigers fall anywhere past eight yeah they they could slip to eight sure. I don't see them getting any higher Dave's three and two I don't reject out of hand I know yesterday morning Jason Munn's joining Dave on Monday we'll have him Friday we may ask him the same question but it'll <laughs> only be for four games yeah when we ask him because tomorrow night really dictates mm-hmm. a lot how this next five goes but I can see winning tomorrow night and Dave holding serve sure. on that three and two and maybe even cracking through and winning at Fog Allen Arena Minge's court uh, at East, East Carolina. Yeah. That, that, that could happen. If Jason Munns is right, can, can Tulane catch them far and, and Memphis drop to nine? 
Yeah, I mean, if Tulane wins some games late, they certainly could catch them, and and uh, yeah, yeah, that would not be fun. And I don't know how the if they tied, I don't know how we would have to go to another um, tiebreaker because they split the series. All right, at, at three, two, or four, one, how high can the Tigers get to? Can they can Let's they see. get to four or five? Um. That'd be tough. That'd be really tough. I think because they, if you if you got to four, you you buy not open date. You buy because this is a bracket. Mm-hmm. You buy into Friday. If you're at five, you 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 play on Thursday against the winner of thirteen twelve. Well, yeah. Tigers would 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 win that on Thursday, surely. Sure. And, and then play the four if they're the five, and that'd be a pretty even Stephen game. Yeah, I think kind of looking at it. I think if they went four and one, they could possibly get to a four seed, but they would need some of those top teams to really struggle Mm -hmm. late. I don't think three and two, I don't think any way they could get to a four because you've got SMU at 10 and three in the conference, Florida Atlantic 10 and three in the conference. They would just need to win one more game the rest of the way, uh, to stay ahead of the Tigers. And I, I would be surprised if, if neither of those teams won one more game. So I think the highest you could get if you go just have an unbelievable end of the, of the regular season would be about, about, uh, five would, would two and three, one and four, two and three probably lands you in that eight, nine game. I know it's a lot yeah. of math we're throwing it people and a lot a lot of numbers and a lot of seed and bracketing stuff but and and, and I'm, I'm getting to this if you got if you the tigers were in that eight nine game and <clears throat> that's the first game on thursday mm-hmm. march 14th as you said <clears throat> excuse me at 11 30 and got beat mm. the idea of the season over at two o'clock on thursday march 14th that 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 is just about the worst case scenario anybody could have painted preseason, and it would have been too wild for anybody to have accepted. No, you're right, and you know you said I think you know, and I'm I'm with you. I think eight or nine's probably as low as they could go, because um, you know you're getting down there now with with Rice and Wichita State, who have won you know, three and two games in conference. But you know if they go out and. You know, we, we talked last week, could be Rice. You know, we talked now, it could be Tulsa. You know, Rice beat Memphis at, at you know, in Memphis. Uh, Tulsa, it was a close game on the road. And with the play we saw the Tigers have in these two Texas games, specifically against SMU, where it, it looked like most of the team just quit. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past any team beating the Tigers, and you're right. I mean, it would just be a awful, awful, awful taste of the season if they lost in that first-round game. Brian, I know we're close on time. But if I set the over and under, high hard one, if mm-hmm. I set the over and under at one and a half wins, oh, man. Johnny, you weigh in too. We got to do it quick though. One and a half wins for any, for anybody from the AAC, for the AAC as a conference to get NCAA tournament wins, one and a half. Wow. I'd probably have to go under right now. Uh, I'm going under. I think, I think I'm, I'm going, going under. Yeah. It's I'm a bad going league. Under. I'm going it's, under. How bad is this league? South Florida's won 11 in a row. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wasn't going to say it, but you said it for me, Brett. No, yeah, but it. I just don't, you know. This bad is, league. It's looking like a one or two bid lead right now, and it had for the second bid, it would have to be a, a team not named Florida Atlantic winning, and Florida Atlantic kind of holding on to their spot in the tournament. Um, that's really the only way this, this conference, I think, can get two bids. But uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out, and we'll be keeping up with this conference and, and the Tigers, their spot in the conference tournament uh, throughout these next five games. We need to wrap up this hour and get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk some college football with Brent Beard. <laughs> 